Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. I'm Nick McDonald. That's Cody Barwick. We have a little week three reaction video here on uh, Monday night, just after the uh, Dallas Cowboys New York Giants game wrapped up. Um, Cody, just some general thoughts on the weekend. I'll go first. Um, I didn't like it. Uh, it was a lot of ugly football, a lot of low scores, uh, a lot of big names that had absolute duds. Um, I, I, I just some, sometimes, you know, I, <laughs> I don't like the NFL at all. I and mean, other times I like it a lot. But this weekend was, uh, was a frustrating one for sure. How about you? Yeah, this weekend was uh, beyond frustrating. I went one in four in my five leagues. And uh, I mean, it ended up being close in a couple, but not really because I was relying on uh, Daniel Jones in one of my leagues. So that's always rough. That's a rough way to end the weekend. Uh, best bets went one and two for me. You did go two and one there, so you got the leg up. But uh, glad week three's over with. Ready for some waiver wire moves and uh, hopefully kind of get my teams in the, going in the right direction next week. Yeah, I was pretty satisfied with that Dallas uh, plus one at the end there. Made my week feel a little bit better. Uh, and that Atlanta-Seattle over-under ended up playing out kind of the way I expected to. We'll just, and your uh, Broncos getting a yeah, huge well, W on Sunday Night Football. It was a win, and that is the end of that discussion. We'll, uh, we'll <laughs> talk about the Broncos game later, begrudgingly, but we did win it, so... That's uh, that's what I'm focusing on right now. We're two and one, same as uh, same as you guys over there in KC. So we're we're both tied atop the division right now. Chargers, man, they had they had a worse week than either one of us with all the injuries and the bad play that they they experienced this week. So I'm, sure. I'm glad we're not in uh, their shoes right now. But uh, yeah, definitely a tough look for the offense so far. We'll get into it later. Uh, we're gonna start off here. With some injuries, uh, again, these are uh, a lot of these you're going to just need to stay updated because many of them I will go through here. There are a lot of them that are day to day, a lot of a lot kind of a lot of like a big injuries that sort of got avoided in this one. I feel like there was a few huge names that went down and then, you know, it, it looked bad initially and ended up being, you know, the, the reporting came out after the game it was like, oh, this he should be fine. It kind of that like Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon and David Montgomery come to mind as huge names that ended up kind of uh getting out of serious injuries, luckily, at the end of the day. But we'll go through them real quick. Dalvin Cook is day-to-day with that shoulder. He separated it. Again, he deals with this a lot. We've seen him play just fine with a separated shoulder before. Um, I'm not really worried. If he's going, uh, He's if he's going to be active, then he'll play, and he'll probably be the lead guy. I'm not really worried about him uh, as far as that goes. Joe Mixon, uh, he injured his ankle, didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, seemed more precautionary than anything. He's expected to play on the short turnaround on Thursday, so it doesn't seem like that injury was that bad. Uh, I'll just go through the running backs here and then get to everyone else. Uh, DeAndre Swift is the is the one that actually looks like could miss a couple weeks here. We had a, a conversation Dan Campbell had with the reporters today, mentioned that it might be smart to keep him out until the team's bye week, which would be two more games, and then, uh, then they have their bye, so... Seems like Swift could miss at least one week, and then uh, we'll see after that. But probably not a long, long-term injury, but could you could be without Swift for a couple weeks here. Uh, David Montgomery considered day-to-day. His his was the one that uh, a lot of people were speculating was serious to begin with. Looked like a high ankle sprain, but uh, doesn't. seems like initial, initial testing on Montgomery has gone positive uh, for the Bears, so he should be okay. Uh, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry left the game. Both their injuries seem minor, but wow, Chris Olave really showed out in their absence. Uh, he was already tearing it up before they left, honestly. I think uh, we'll get to him later, but he's the number one in New Orleans right now. 
Uh, and Mac Jones has a severe ankle sprain. Not so much a fantasy impact on his own, but um, you know, obviously the auxiliary options in that offense are going to be a little less interesting with Brian Hoyer under center. And then Jalen Guyton tore his ACL. Uh, not much in the way of actual fantasy impact, but you know, maybe a couple more targets for the uh, the secondary options in the Chargers passing game. Uh, anything you want to react to specifically with the injuries, or do you want to just react to it when we uh, recap the games here, Toby? Yep, I was going to say we could probably go ahead and move into the games because a lot of these are going to have some waiver wire conversations to go about, and we can kind of do that game by game. Um, but just so if you have a specific game or player you want to hear about, check the description of the podcast. We will make sure to add the time that we start talking about each game. Uh, so, Nick, I am actually going to hop up and grab a pin real quick if you want to go ahead and take it off with uh, Oakland and Tennessee. You got it, Cody. Uh, Oakland, Tennessee. Tennessee ends up winning 24-22 to here. Uh, battle of the 0-2 teams. Uh, excuse me. I, I keep saying Oakland. It is Las Vegas. Las Vegas and Tennessee. Uh, the only 0-3 team in the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders. Kind of uh, hard to believe coming into the year with uh, their increased hype, but... Getting to a little bit of reaction. Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill kind of mirror images of each other in this one. Both solid plays. Both kind of unspectacular. About 20, uh, 20 points either way. This is kind of what you expect from these high-end QB2 types. So they kind of both uh, fulfilled their roles there. Uh, Derek Henry looked a lot better in this one. 85 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, five of six uh, through the air as well. Five catches on six targets for 58 yards. That was good to see. I'm still a little bit worried about Henry against better front sevens. This O-line is just not great. The Las Vegas front seven is, is beatable, though, so he was able to overcome it. Had a pretty good game. I would consider selling high on Henry if you can get anybody to give you uh, draft day value for him. Uh, what do you think on Henry there, Cody? Are you uh, selling high, or are you kind of encouraged by this performance? Um, I'm definitely going to sell high. This was a pretty good matchup against Las Vegas, who has trouble stopping the run. Um, the passing game was very... Um, you know, very nice to see the passing work, but ultimately they're just going to have to give him the ball. He's one of the only playmakers on that offense. So I think it's just more of a need. Um, if he had this kind of work over the year, I'd imagine there's going to be an injury risk at some point as well. So I think his best days are probably behind him. If you can get draft day value, that's great. Um, a couple names that I have for you, uh, CMC or Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. Man, that is tough. I'd probably take, oh man, I'd probably take CMC. I just think he's probably the better player at this point in their careers, and both of them carry, you know, pretty significant injury risk. With Henry being uh, in his late twenties and McCaffrey obviously being so injured the past few years, uh, I, I just think CMC has the higher ceiling at this point. Although they're both just kind of disappointing. They're kind of in both similar situations, just disappointing offenses with, uh, you know, relatively good defenses. So you don't. You know, they don't have to score a ton to, to keep up. But I think I would go with CMC. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you, especially in any kind of PPR format. If Baker starts yeah. to dump the ball down, CMC will become that cheat code that he used to be. Um, I agree. I think CMC pretty easily in that debate. And then two that I think may be a little bit closer, Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler. Uh, if you were the Derrick Henry manager, would you try and target either of those two over Derrick Henry? Oh, I would or absolutely or take either one of those guys over Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, rest of season, Saquon Barkley looks fantastic. Uh, he looks healthy, and he's really the only thing on the Giants' offense that's any sort of consistent, especially uh, we'll see how 
it plays out, but Sterling Shepard looks like he 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 left the game there at the end with a pretty serious non-contact injury. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. But he Barkley is really the only guy on that offense that you trust week to week at all. So uh, I would take Barkley and Eckler. I just have to imagine better days are ahead. That offense is going to be so much better than Tennessee's. There's going to be more opportunities for touchdowns. I would I would bet on the upside of the Chargers offense and in, in that situation. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Saquon's probably going to be pretty hard to trade for. He's coming off a pretty solid uh, Monday night yeah. football performance. But I think Eckler, that trade's 100% possible if you uh, share the same fears for Derrick Henry. Yeah, you'd want to uh, find an owner that you know, has a high opinion of Henry and maybe you know, it's going to be hard to do a one-for-one running back swap like that. You're probably going to have to either frame it as uh, you know Henry plus for whoever you want or you know uh, maybe Henry... And then you get an asset back for whoever you're downgrading to, but you know yeah. maybe that guy just isn't a downgrade in your mind. But uh, either way, yeah, I would definitely take Eckler over Henry rest of season at the moment. Same with Barkley; uh, he looks fantastic. Uh, the rest of the Titans, I'm not really trusting any of their pass catchers right now. Burks had a pretty disappointing game: two touches, 21 yards. Uh, Woods was kind of the leader in this one, but he hasn't shown me much to this to this point in the year before this game to to give me any confidence in him. I don't know about you, but I'm probably just staying away and I'm holding Ben uh, holding Burks on my bench right now, uh, and then just waiting and seeing. And Derrick Henry is really the only guy in this offense I'm even considering starting if I have him. Yep, I agree. Burks is a hold. As a rookie wide receiver, you just hope that he kind of gets more involved as the season progresses. So unless there's someone really good out there, I would definitely hold on to Burks for now. Um, and then, yeah, Robert Woods or any of the other Tennessee tight ends or receivers that you may have on your roster, you can drop them for sure. 100%. Uh, and on the, the rest of the Raiders side here, I'm still buying low on Josh Jacobs, 13 carries, 66 yards. Uh, he actually got pretty involved in the receiving game as well. Five catches on six targets, 31 yards. He just hasn't scored yet. And, you know, that will change eventually. He's been a touchdown guy throughout his career. And it's not like this offense has been inept. You know, they just kind of lost some close games. And, uh, you know, they haven't been great, but they haven't been bad either. So he'll, he'll have opportunities to score touchdowns as the year goes on. And I would not don't overreact to touchdown luck, especially only three weeks in. I'm uh, I'm buying low on Josh Jacobs if possible because he is just he's the clear cut lead guy in uh, Las Vegas right now. Yep, he finished as I guess it would probably be the wide receiver fourteen. I think Saquon and Zeke probably passed him with their performances tonight. Maybe even Pollard too. I'm not entirely sure, but he finished as a high RB two. I mean, and I would imagine even coming off that finish with how everything is around the Raiders, you could probably get him at a pretty good value. So yeah, I think he's, he's even coming off a good week. You could probably still considering, consider buying him low. Um, I don't think you'd have to give up too much to get him. So I think it's a good trade for candidate for sure. Disappointing game for Waller, uh, three catches, 22 yards on five targets, but he's a tight end. Uh, all these guys beyond Kelsey and Andrews are going to have their down weeks. I'm not really worried. He looks fine from a physical perspective, and you know they had some other options kind of go off, as we'll get to in a second, but I'm not really worried about Waller. You're just going to keep starting him. He's better than you know the, uh, the TJ Hawkinsons, the... You know, the Zach Ertz is the, the kind of the bottom, the bottom of the barrel on the tight end perspective. So you're just going to yeah. have to keep rolling them out are, there. Those guys are roster. The guys on your waiver wire aren't going to be anywhere near the, that level. So you're definitely exactly. going to keep Waller in that starting spot for sure. And uh, Matt Collins, one of the great stories of the weekend here. He's kind of been, uh, I've seen, you know, the only things I've really seen about Matt Collins coming into this year that I can remember are just his 
you know, clips uh, in some interviews that he's done. He seems like a really genuinely good dude, funny guy on in the locker room, but he had an amazing performance here again. Had a really good week, too, and in this one, eight catches, 158 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. Um, I, I'm hard-pressed to really believe this long-term. I think if Renfro remains out, you can go ahead and flex him if you want, uh, but I think that's pretty much the extent of it, more of just kind of a, a feel-good story than anything else. Devontae Adams is going to be the number one guy here season long. Yeah, that's my that's where my biggest hesitation would come in. Devontae Adams had a pretty unimpressive week this week. Um I don't know if maybe they just had some really good coverage on him and that just left uh, Hollins open or what the case was, but I don't think I'm going to chase those points. But if you're in a real deep PPR league and Renfro's out, I mean, he's not the worst option out there for you. Anything else on the uh, Titans and Raiders here? Do you want to move on? Uh, I wish I had something else to say so we didn't have to talk about this next game, but let's go ahead and get it (laughs) knocked out. Oh, yes, baby. Uh, Indianapolis pulls off a 20-17 to win over Kansas City this week, getting their first win on the year. 1-1-1, uh, one, one one, a pretty uh, interesting record there for the Colts so far through three weeks. Uh, I, I From the Colts' perspective, uh, there's not really too much here uh, to talk about from a fantasy perspective. I mean, it's kind of what we expected uh, from this offense. Pittman came back and looked pretty good. Eight catches on nine targets for 72 yards. You know, solid in his return. He's clearly the one here, just didn't get into the end zone or have any huge plays. So the stat line isn't incredibly impressive, but he didn't kill you either when, on a week when plenty of people did. So you'll you'll uh, you'll respect this performance out of Pittman if this is uh, his lower end. And I'm keeping an eye on Alec Pierce. He looked pretty good. I liked uh, – he had a couple just nice catches, contested balls on the outside. He looks like it could be a decent option. But uh, for now, it's Pittman and it's Taylor, and uh, that's about it. Another kind of disappointing week for Jonathan Taylor. Do you have any – reservations there for him being the number one guy moving forward or do you think this is just kind of the ebbs and flows of a season uh the number one guy overall I mean yeah there's a chance that he doesn't end up as the number one overall running back but I felt like there was a chance of that to begin the season because his as incredible as he was last year there's just a lot of volatility there and I mean I thought CMC had a chance to take it but I'm not like worried if I was the fantasy manager if you I think you're if you're trading him, it's going to be at worst for draft day value. I mean, you're going to have to get another really good running back and another piece back to even consider moving on for, from him. So I'm going to I'm going to hold on to him. I think that better days are ahead um, in the near future for him. If you had Saquon Barkley, would you trade Barkley plus you know like a flex level asset to turn him into Taylor, or would you just ride out Barkley at this point? Um, I think if you got Barkley, you're probably pretty happy with your team unless you really messed up your first or third round pick. So I I think I'm just going to go ahead and write it out with Barkley, but it depends on what that asset is. I mean, if you're getting rid of, you know, like a Hunter Renfro level player, you know, it's something to consider because Jonathan Taylor doesn't have an injury history, but uh, Saquon has looked really good. He looks like he could potentially be the RB1, so it would be hard to move off of him coming off these uh, first three weeks. I think I would agree. I think if you're in a shallow league, maybe 10 teams or less, I would be more into a move like this, but uh, the upgrade from Barkley to Taylor is probably just not worth playing, You know, giving up an asset that you're going to start every week in uh, deeper leagues, 12-plus teams, just because right. those assets become a lot more valuable at that point. 
Uh, on the Kansas City side, uh, pretty good game for Juju here. Five uh, catches on eight targets for 89 yards. Kind of a bounce back week for him, but I'm still, I would sell high if you can. Uh, I think this offense is just going to be, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, and it's still kind of playing out this way to this point, uh, for me at least. I just think it's going to be Kelsey, and then it's going to be one guy or two guys every week that step up a little bit, and this week it was Juju. I don't have any confidence it's going to be him in week four. I don't know how you feel, but I would sell high on Juju and this next guy. But I'll let you uh, say your piece on Juju if you have anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I have zero confidence starting any of the Chiefs wide receivers. So uh, Juju definitely had a solid day. MV, MVS had an okay day. Um, if there's you know one of the rookie wide receivers or someone that we mentioned today out on the waiver wire, I think – Besides Juju, the other two guys are definitely droppable. And if you can get a playable asset back for Juju, um, I think I would take it. And Nick, I have an odd name for you. If you could trade Juju, or if you could have Juju or Tyler Lockett for the rest of the season, who are you taking there? Oh, man. Um, Those are both gross names. I think I'm going to go Lockett just because I see him being more involved week to week. It seems like, you know, the, the condensation of targets is pretty concentrated in Seattle. It's pretty much just DK and Lockett. And then, you know, the uh, the tight ends and the the other guys just kind of get the, the runoff there. And at least you know Lockett's going to have five targets every week, whereas Juju, we saw in week two, had a three-target three target game. It just, I just feel like he has a lower floor, but I'm, I'm not I'm not excited to start either of those guys at all. So Yeah, that's my Hopefully point. Hopefully you don't have to if make that can, decision. But. Yeah, if you can get someone back for Juju that you just have more confidence in in general, I think it's a good trade because, I mean, I could understand if there was someone worth dropping him for on your waiver wire as well, even though Juju is probably the highest level of Chiefs wide receiver, unfortunately. But yeah, let's get into Clyde. Moore is probably the one guy I would I would roster in the Chiefs wide receiver room just in the hopes that he has a breakout year. I feel like he's the only oh, yeah. guy that has the potential to really like emerge as a week-to-week target, whereas the rest of the guys are just kind of who they are at this point. Yeah, but, and at anyway. this point, he's a complete hold. Like You, you couldn't even yeah. think about something. Oh, no, so. not at all. Yeah, 100% complete hold, and that's only in deeper leagues as well. I'd say 12-plus teams. Anything under that, you're dropping him for sure. Um, and yeah, Clyde edwards Elair. I think the one of the funniest stat lines I have seen in a while for Clyde here. He had seven carries, zero yards, a touchdown, and then uh, five catches on five targets for 39 yards. The passing involvement is pretty encouraging. I thought that was pretty funny, though, that he ended up with zero yards and a rushing score. Um, but yeah, I mean, he split carries with McKinnon. I, mean, I think McKinnon also had seven carries in this one. I didn't actually see what his target volume looked like, but... Another 12-touch game for Clyde. It seems like uh, we are pretty, you know, we have a pattern here of how Clyde is going to be used game to game. We've had two, his last two games have been pretty competitive throughout, so it's not really one of those things where, you know, he's been taken off the field because they've been being, you know, they have a huge lead or anything like that. So it seems like Clyde's going to be a 10 to 14-touch guy moving forward. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a startable asset, but not, you know, probably not an RB2 moving forward, and that's maybe what you could get for him value-wise right now just because he's had uh, a touchdown every week. No, he had a touchdown, two touchdowns week one, one this week, and then a pretty good week game in week two as well because he had that big run. So I think you could sell Clyde at an RB2 value right now, and I would definitely take it. Yep, so Clyde, I'm assuming you would take David Montgomery over Clyde, right? Oof, that one's tough because we don't know much about the injury yet. 
If uh, if Montgomery's out two weeks, I would keep Clyde just because I feel like Herbert would have the opportunity at that point to just emerge as the uh, the guy, and then Montgomery not might not be coming back to the full time role at that point. But uh, yeah. if we get so word later this week that Montgomery's in, I I would probably take that deal. Okay, fair enough. And then one more: Josh Jacobs or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Rest of season. that's a perfect perfect one. But I think honestly, in uh, in more non-competitive leagues, you could probably trade Clyde and get Jacobs plus something at back that, yeah, as well. That is true. I think I, I I think you you could shoot for a little bit more there, but I really I would probably value Jacobs higher rest of the season, and I don't think most people would. So I, that's a that's an absolutely perfect guy to target right now uh, because his value is a little lower than it should be. Yeah, I think in full PPR, I'm still taking Clyde over Jacobs rest of season, but in non, I would definitely take Jacobs and then half. Would be I I would again if I could get Jacobs in another asset I'd probably lean that side of the trade as well. So, all right, yeah, fair enough, Clyde. If you could sell high on him, I would definitely do so. I think he's still going to be pretty fantasy for value or pretty valuable for fantasy for the rest of the season. So, uh, definitely, you know, if you can't get what you want for him, just hold on to him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we're only we're only selling for RB two value or better here on Clyde. Uh, he will at least be a flex play the rest of the year. Uh, moving on to Buffalo and Miami. Ooh, excuse me. Miami has a uh, wins this one 21 to 19. Um, Buffalo really gave this one away. Uh, they had a 497 to 212 yardage advantage in this one. It is really, really hard to lose an NFL game if you outgain your opponent by that much. Uh, but this kind of that just kind of goes to show you Buffalo had. You know, a couple uh, had a, a missed, missed field, two missed field goals. One that was like pretty short too, and then uh, I think Josh Allen might have had a turnover deep in Miami territory as well. So just a few miscues on long drives that you know, if they would have gotten points on any of them, they would have won this game here. Uh, over forty minutes of possession time for Buffalo. I think the play discrepancy was pretty insane too. I think Buffalo ran like ninety-one plays to thirty-nine for Miami. It was something insane like that. Uh, the Buffalo Bills offense just kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, they're they're all really good. You want pieces of it. Kind of a disappointing game for Diggs and uh, Gabriel Davis in this one. I'm not really worried about either one of them, though. Uh, they'll be fine moving forward. Just, you know, Miami's defense is, is pretty good, so they had a tough time yeah, with that secondary. But I think the only storyline here from the Bills' perspective as far as things that might have changed is uh, Isaiah McKenzie kind of emerging as a slot guy. He got nine targets in this one. Crowder only saw two. So I think McKenzie becomes a startable flex asset, especially in PPR formats. Uh, Anything you want to add on the Bills here, Cody? Uh, No, besides I'm very happy that McKenzie finally may have emerged as that guy because Josh Allen can definitely support three good fantasy options. So as long as Crowder isn't coming in, taking uh, some of his snaps, I think that McKenzie can be valuable, especially in deep PPR leagues. Um, but only thing Buffalo, I mean, I just, this is, they always have games like this where they just, you scratch your head and wonder how they lose. So um I guess I'm surprised when you look at the stat line, but I don't know. When you kind of look at their track, their recent history, they always always find a way to lose one or two where it's just like, how did that happen? So I chalk it up to that. I think, you know, don't don't overreact to this game. All the Buffalo no, options all. are still They're good. Still They're really still going to be insane. It's just 
rough week. I mean, this is definitely one they're going to look at like on the film and just be like, how did we lose this game? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, they should. They they really gave this one away for sure. They were the better team, and they, they shouldn't have lost that game at all. Josh Allen is incredible, enough said there. And uh, lastly, Devin Singletary had a pretty good game uh, because he was targeted a lot. I think that's more um, uh, a case of them just running so many plays in this one. I mean, he got 11 targets, but he didn't even have a 20% target share. That is a pretty insane stat because Josh Allen threw the ball 60-plus times in this one. So you're not going to see 11 targets for Devin Singletary probably or even close to it the rest of the year here. Uh, But this is kind of why we wanted you to buy low on Devin Singletary. I think he's still their best back, and if he ever emerges as the lead guy completely, then he could be pretty valuable. But uh, Devin Singletary had a nice game. That was good to see. On the Dolphins side, uh, like we said, they only ran 39 plays in this one, uh, so it's just really hard to accumulate any sort of stats uh, across the board here when that happens. A couple guys still had nice games regardless of that. Uh, Chase Edmonds ran in a couple touchdowns. Man, I think (laughs) I'm selling high here if you can. I'm not sure you can, though, um, unless somebody just does not look at the stat lines or watches the games (laughs) at all. did have two touchdowns, like I said, but that was about it. Six carries, 21 yards, a catch for six yards. Again, only 39 plays in this one, so seven touches out of 39 plays. Actually, not that bad of a ratio, but still. I mean, it seems like him and Ro Mostert are going to be completely split. Uh, and, you know, there'll be weeks where Mostert takes over. There'll be weeks where Edmonds takes over. It's going to be hard to know uh, who is going to be who. And then the rest of the options, Waddle had a good game. Tyreek had kind of a stinker, but again, uh, 39 plays, guys. So you, you just can't accumulate stats across the board here with uh, with that low amount of a play count. So I'm not really worried about the Miami guys. They actually looked pretty good, I feel like, with the low play volume that they did have. Anything you want to add on Miami, Cody? Uh, nope, except for Gusecki. He had a pretty bad week this week. We told you not to chase him. I really hope you didn't. He is uh very prone to be putting up a lot of stinkers throughout the fantasy season. So, I I would I would imagine there's got to be someone on your waiver wire better than Gasecki if he found his way into your starting lineup. Yeah, Tyreek and Waddle are just going to dominate targets at the top. It's going to be hard for anything to be left yeah. for Gasecki consistently uh as the third option there. And a rough week for Tua, but we kind of expected that with the tough matchup, so wasn't too if you went out and you paid up for him for fab fab wise i wouldn't let this game change your mind there's just the buffalo bills have a really good defense and, and yeah to only threw the ball yeah. right he threw the ball 18 times he actually had a pretty good yards per attempt i feel like Tua played just fine but yeah like we said he just didn't get on the field a lot and didn't really have an opportunity to throw a ton of passes so is what it is Tua will be better in uh, weeks moving forward here uh baltimore and new england Holy Lamar Jackson, Cody. Um, we, <laughs> I will say this is probably one of our better calls that uh, I can think of coming into this year. Both of us loved his MVP prop. Both of us liked him in uh, fantasy as well. Uh, obviously, we weren't too high on drafting quarterbacks early, but Lamar was one of those guys that we said you can take your shot on in the fourth or fifth round if you really like him. And if you did, you're ecstatic right now. Another five-touchdown effort. Four through the air, one on the ground, another 100-yard rushing effort as well. I mean, he's. I mean, he just looks like Lamar Jackson from his MVP year. Yeah, he looks insanely good. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of the options around him did, but if you did reach to get Lamar Jackson, 
Um, I don't even know if it was really a reach. If you really look at his value for fantasy over the years, he was probably falling compared to where he should have been going. So if you if you guys went out and got Lamar Jackson, you should be very happy. Um, and I don't really see it slowing down because J.K. Dobbins probably still going to take a couple more weeks before they trust him with a large workload. So they're gonna they're gonna count on Lamar to be able to rush the football, and if he can score touchdowns doing so, he's he's going to be insanely valuable. What round do you think Lamar Jackson would go in if we were redrafting uh, today? Uh, he would be right there with Josh Allen. I mean, if Josh Allen went in the third, then Lamar Jackson would be going late third or fourth round, early fourth, without a doubt. Yeah, I think it might might be even high third, early second with the way he's playing right now. I mean, yeah. just the rushing the rushing upside is incredible, and then Mark Andrews alone almost gives him the TD upside from the the other perspective. So yep. he's an absolute beast. Uh, Mark Andrews, I think he's my tight end one the rest of the year. Uh, he's just he's physically dominant, and Lamar Jackson looks to him. I think he had 13 of the 27 targets here today, and you know Bill Belichick kind of known for usually taking away a one option for an offense was not able to do that here today with Mark Andrews. He absolutely dominated and uh, a little bit of a disappointing game from Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to be kind of prone to being boomer bust. Seems like, uh, you know, with the low passing volume offense of the Ravens, that's just going to be the nature of, uh, of his game. But I think where you drafted him, you're probably still pretty happy with uh, what he's given you so far. And the fact that this offense is so good is, you know, he'll have better days ahead, I think. Yeah, where he was going in drafts, he's probably probably in your flex position. And if that's the case, if he's your boom-bust flex player, I think there's going to be more weeks where uh, he booms compared to busting. So uh, you're probably not too happy with, with this performance this week, but um, Mark Andrews was just getting basically all of the work, so there wasn't a lot to go around to everybody else. So um, no, I'm not too upset with it. If, if you started him this week, I would have – confidence with him going into next week as well you just got to temper expectations he's probably not going to be a locked and loaded wide receiver too every week and hopefully you did not start jk dobbins this is why we told you uh to wait at least a week on him he is getting worked back in him and justice hill kind of split carries there lamar still the rb1 in baltimore i think uh, i think as the year goes on they're going to want to ease his workload so dobbins will definitely get more involved i think you're just you're just happy he came out of the game unscathed from an injury standpoint and uh I'm still probably waiting. I'm going to wait until Dobbin shows me something instead of hoping that, you know, I get to have his first good game. So I think you're still holding your J.K. Dobbin stock. He looks fine. Um, And then he'll have better games as the year progresses here. Anything else on the Ravens, Cody? For J.K. Dobbins in a game where there's a running game script, I want to see him get a game where he gets 13 to 15 attempts. And, And... and then I'll I'll have some confidence playing him because even coming off of the injury, if he's he's gonna have to get volume because he's probably not gonna be extremely efficient when he first comes back. So but if he can get up there and start getting 13, 15 carries, I think he can get enough work and have enough chances to get in the end zone to be fantasy relevant. But until then I'm still gonna have my concerns because he's probably not gonna be the most explosive back coming back from that injury. And if you're two and one or three and zero, oh, and you can afford maybe to have a lesser team for a week or two, I think I would also consider consider trading Clyde for J.K. Dobbins. And this one, you should be able to get another asset back as well. So I think you get Clyde and Dobbins plus, 
And I think that will work out for you the rest of the year because once Dobbins becomes the lead guy, we know how valuable that uh, that role can be in the Ravens' offense. So I I would uh, I would bet on Dobbins' talent and capitalize on the high value of Clyde right now if it were me. How about you? Uh, yeah, I don't mind that trade. Um, I guess my only concern would be: Do you have? I guess do you have any concern when Gus Edwards come back comes back that it could be a split between J.K. and Gus? Yeah, I think it will be for sure, but we've seen him be successful in that role regardless. And I just I think the Ravens will want to take a you know, take the load off of Lamar as the year goes on. They can't keep having him run the ball ten to fifteen times a game. Uh, you know, we saw what happened to him last year. Obviously he got hit hurt on a passing play, but just exposing him to more hits is is not gonna be the answer if you want right. a deep playoff run. So I think they're gonna need these guys down the stretch and they'll get a lot more involved as they both get healthier. But Gus's injury was, you know, he still has not practiced or even anything close to it. So I think he's probably still a little bit away here. You could probably get, I think Dobbins could emerge, you know, as the lead back before Gus gets worked in. And at that point, Dobbins' role might be solidified. So hopefully that happens there with JK. Uh, On the Patriots side, uh, the the waters are muddied here by Max ankle injury. Uh, Looked a little bit more serious, I think, than it ended up being. Uh, I thought that might have been, you know, a broken ankle, the way that he reacted to it. But it seems like he just has a bad high ankle sprain. Uh, obviously, that's not that's not nothing either. He'll probably miss a couple weeks at least. Uh, and in a, for the time being, it'll be Brian Hoyer under center. Does not inspire a ton of confidence in the Patriots' options. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in classic Patriots fashion, Ramondre Stevenson kind of led the way in this one. Um, you know, this is sort of the way things go with Patriots like running everyone backs. Thought. Exactly. I mean, they, they swing back and forth all the time. This is the way Bill Belichick's always kind of run his teams. Um, I'm not really going to change my opinion yet. I, I think it's a 1A, 1B, not a 1-2, but I'm still leaning Harris rest of season. Uh, I'm just, you know, not incredibly excited about either one of these guys. I, I would. It's just going to be hard to predict who's going to be the guy week to week. Yeah, I think with uh, Brian Hoyer coming in, I mean, they're going to rely on the run game even more. So I think For both sure. these guys are potential flex options in deep leagues. But um, I agree. I mean, there could be a week where Harris gets 75% of the snaps or carries, and then Ramondre could be irrelevant for fantasy. But I think with these guys, you kind of you just don't know. You're going to have to have the confidence and kind of, you know, you're going to have to have the the stones to start Ramondre Stevenson because there's a chance that he completely has a dud, but if he's going to be as involved as this, he'll be fantasy relevant for sure. So just completely tough. I mean, I have him in our, in our main league and I don't know what to do. I mean, I can start him over guys like Alan Lazard or potentially Jeff Wilson, but I don't know if that's necessarily worth it. Nah, just tough. He's a tough, tough player to gauge. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's. Uh, they're both flex options, and then if one of them gets hurt, they could really emerge as a, a top end RB. But for the time yeah. being, they're going to kind of eat into each other's uh, value there. So, impressive game for Devonte Parker here. Five catches on ten targets, a hundred and fifty six yards. Finally showed something after that offseason trade. But again, uh, with Hoyer under center, I I'm not biting. I might have thrown a couple fab dollars on him if it was uh, still Mac Jones, but with the uncertainty at quarterback, I'm I'm probably not looking this way. It was just I guess it was nice to see Parker break out there, but I think all the New England pass catchers can be pretty much ignored uh, until Brian Hoyer shows us something. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assumption. I think most most of the time they can get ignored because every week that's somebody different also. So yeah, you know, it's really just a shot in the dark on you're hoping it's the week that Devontae Parker has or Jacoby Myers comes back and gets targeted a bunch. It's very complicated in New England, to say the least. It is. I, I, I think the reason that I liked Parker maybe a little bit more than uh, you're letting on here is just because I think that he is kind of a missing dimension of their offense. I feel like he provides something that a lot of those other receivers don't in the way of just kind of a big X receiver on the outside that can run those in-breaking, you know, 15 to 20 yard routes and out physical guys. But uh, again, yeah, with Mac Jones out for an extended period here, I'm, I'm not interested anymore, but he is somebody, I guess, to, to watch on your waiver wire. If Mac Jones comes back in a couple weeks, um, Moving on to the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, Cincinnati ends up taking this one 27-12. Nice bounce back game for Joe Burrow. Uh, He goes for 275-3 and in this one. Uh, The Jets didn't really give him a lot of pressure on the other side of the ball, so he didn't have to do too much, kind of scored. I think he scored that third touchdown in the third quarter, and then they pretty much just uh, ran the clock out after that. But nice to see Burrow have a bounce back here. Um, You know, he was still under pressure a lot. Uh, the Jets' defense is has not been great at pressuring the quarterback so far other than this game. So I, the concerns about the O-line remain, but uh, Burrow looked pretty good in this one. Yeah, Burrow looked really good. Um, unfortunately, the big pass plays went to Tyler Boyd from him instead yeah. of the other two guys that the majority of the world started. But, uh, yeah, Burrow needed to have a good week, especially against a Jets' defense, which, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner's been pretty good, but like you said, they typically haven't gotten too much pressure on the quarterback, so um, it was a good bounce-back week for them. And if we can kind of get into these different receiving options. Like I said, unfortunately, Tyler Boyd gets the big touchdown play that if it goes to Chase or Higgins, those owners would be a lot happier <laughs> than they did than they were today. Yeah, uh, Higgins and Chase, despite Burrow's big game, kind of both. I wouldn't, I mean, maybe you could call it disappointing, but with how bad some of the other guys were, I think you'll take it from these guys. Uh, Higgins, man, he he was so close to such a huge day, Cody. He dropped a touchdown pass and almost, I don't know if you saw this ridiculous play in the first quarter that he made. He uh, went up in the corner of the end zone, pirouetted, caught the ball in midair, and toe-tapped. It looked like absolutely gorgeously in the corner of the end zone but they said his foot was on the line they called it uh out of bounds on the f- yeah uh, they called it out of bounds on the field yeah. and uh the cameras kind of was was a little bit blocked from view because there was uh you know just some bodies in the way of uh of the angle there so it was hard to say for sure if he got his feet in but that would have been one of the prettiest touchdowns i've ever seen but still higgins is incredible and uh he was very, very close to having a huge day. And then Jamar Chase uh, kind of bails you out with the touchdown. Six catches, 10 targets, 29 yards, and that score. But uh, Mod Gardner gave him some problems for sure. Uh, I saw him on uh, on each other a lot in that game. And, you know, he might be a problem for some receivers moving forward. He's a very, very good corner. Obviously, he went in the uh, you know the top five of the draft. He's, he's a great player, but that was uh, just something to watch there. I'm not really worried about Chase and obviously not Higgins either. So long-term, they'll be fine. But Gardner may be someone we want to watch moving forward uh, because I think the rest of this defense is pretty bad. So it might make sense for you know the, the, some of these teams to just go away from the number one receiver for a week and target the other guys on this defense. Um, mm-hmm. On the Jets' side, uh, Brees Hall, 
I, I don't know what to make of this situation whatsoever. Apparently, Brees Hall is now the third down back. It's it's all it's gone all the way to the other side of the spectrum here from week one when they were kind of splitting early down work and Carter was the third down guy. Uh, I don't really get it from a usage perspective. Hall had eight carries for 39 yards, uh, six of 11 targets. Again, he's had three NFL games. He's had he's been targeted in double digits twice. <laughs> it's pretty incredible, but. Uh, six. If he if he gets anywhere near this passing involvement, he'll be a great value in PPR leagues. And I think I just think this goes to show that he's going to emerge as the guy as the season goes along. He looks a lot better with the ball in his hands. I don't know how you feel, but I would take Brees Hall for sure out of those two the rest of the year. Oh yeah, he was one of my he was a buy low candidate last week for me. I th- mm-hmm. I thought Good that call. you know he hadn't shown too much at, to that point, and you definitely could have got him for you know, a startable player, like a flex level player. Now, I mean, getting six receptions, 53 yards is probably going to be a little bit tougher to get him. I think he is the guy in the Jets backfield. Um, But yeah, Carter won't go away. I think, you know, like we talked about when we did the week three preview, I'm a little iffy on most Jets players uh, besides one that we'll get to here in a second, because when Zach Wilson comes back, the entire offense may change. So we may just see a completely different result in week four than we've seen through the first three weeks. But as for right now, Brees Hall is definitely the uh, running back I'd want in that backfield. Carter may just end up becoming, I don't don't even know what his role would be, but I think they should lean to Brees for the majority of that work. Yeah, this just seems like one of those situations. Carter's just not going to go away. So Brees might not have the opportunity to be the unquestioned guy uh, at any point this year unless Carter goes down. But um, I just think he's the better player. So he might end up working into a more significant role as the year goes on here. I guess we will see. Uh, But on the pass-catching side for the Jets... Pretty disappointing day, but Joe Flacco was just really bad in this one. I mean, he showed why he, you know, is a backup in this league now. Um, just had a horrible day. Had about, I think it was uh, in the fives uh, for yards per attempt. That's just not going to get it done. Garrett Wilson uh, had a solid day. Didn't kill you. Six catches, ten targets, sixty yards. He actually left the game for a pretty decent chunk. I was surprised to see he ended up with ten targets. That's pretty impressive considering he was out for at least a quarter in this one. I, I had him in a lot of leagues, so I was kind of monitoring that situation. But um, he gets to 10 targets. Uh, he looked actually looked fantastic before he got hurt, too. I feel like he was probably slightly affected by the injury after he came back. Uh, he's the guy that I want in the Jets wide receiver room the rest of the year. I'm not dropping Eli Moore yet. He got 10 targets, too. Uh, like you said, this all could completely change when Zach Wilson comes back. Yep, I agree. I think for sure the guy that I want is Garrett Wilson. Both of these rookies for uh, the Jets, really just they they both look really good. So um, I think those are the two that you want to have. But um, And one guy I just want to throw out there, Tyler Conklin. He did have a good week for a tight end. Um, but I, I'm not going to go out there and spend fab on Conklin. And next oh. week he may not even be targeted by Zach Wilson. So... Um, I would, before you make any moves for these guys, I would wait to see how everything goes once Zach Wilson gets back in the fold. Um, but if you could still buy low on Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson, I would do so. But I'd imagine it's going to be pretty hard to do that with Garrett Wilson at this point. Yeah, 100%. We need to see uh, how Zach Wilson operates this offense before we make any major investment in Conklin or uh, Eli Moore at this point. So we'll see. But don't drop Eli Moore just yet. We'll see how he does under with Zach Wilson under center. 
moving on to Houston and Chicago. Chicago is two and one somehow. They pull off a win, twenty three to twenty here at home. Um, I I mean I I can't even roster anybody on Chicago that isn't a running back at this point. Justin Fields, drop him. Uh, wide receivers. You can't own any of them right now. Uh, the problem, the biggest problem that the Bears have is that they're two and one. I mean, if they were zero and three <laughs> and they had a reason to change the the way they're doing things right now, I'd be a little bit more encouraged, or I mean, not encouraged, but I would be more willing to hold on to these guys in like in the event that they change their philosophy here. But I mean, we're talking about Justin Fields at two hundred and ninety-seven yards on the year. Through three games, my man is not even averaging a hundred passing yards a game. You just can't. That is just there is no pie. There's a, we talk about having a small pie and a big pie. There's there's no pie. The ball, the pie is gone, Cody. There's no pie, and it's all for the running backs. So you just can't to drop Mooney, drop Komet, drop anybody that you were rostering on the Bears if they're not a running back. Yeah, I I agree. The only one I would be I would try I would think about being hesitant on is Mooney, just because we have seen him be really good for fantasy. But if there is someone out there worth picking up, Mooney is definitely worth dropping for them. If you're in a really deep league and there's not really anyone out there that interests you, you can hold them. But yeah, it I mean it sucks. This Bears team reminds me of so many St. Louis Rams teams I grew up watching. That just wanted to do nothing but run the football and play defense. And it's such an annoying way for fantasy football to play the game. But like you said, they're 2-1. and one, So it's not like they're going to start slinging the ball all over the field next week. They're going to nope. take Montgomery or Herbert or the combination of both and run it down the opponent's throat and hopefully be able to scratch and claw and win by a field goal or less. So it's going to be very annoying for fantasy football. But I agree. Um Herbert, if he's, I guess Herbert's a guy we can have a quick conversation about. Obviously, David, by the time waivers run, we're not going to have a lot of information on David Montgomery. If Herbert's out there and you're you're someone who's desperate, you need a running back and you need a win, how much are you willing to spend fab-wise if you have to get Herbert? Yeah, I think at this point I'm going to operate under the assumption Montgomery misses at least one week because uh, we I mean, we did hear, I think it's at least an ankle sprain. It might not be a high ankle sprain, but if it's an ankle sprain, it'd be I'd be hard-pressed to see him being out there and being the unquestioned lead guy. I think at the very least Herbert's going to be getting half the work. Man, I'd probably be willing to throw 30, maybe even 40% on Herbert just because he looks great too. So I think he could have value even if Monty's in there. And then, obviously, if uh, if Monty's injury lingers or he goes down again, then you might have a potential league winner here because uh, he looks fantastic and they are clearly committed to the run at this point. So I'd, I'd be willing to make a pretty significant investment in Cleo Herbert if he's on the wire. Yeah, my my the most I would go, worst-case scenario, I agree, would be right at 40, 40% or $40 if you have the traditional $100 fab system. So... Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think if you are if you do waivers, he's just someone that needs to be added. He needs to be rostered because Montgomery yep. typically gets banged up throughout the season and he seems to be the clear number one if Montgomery is to miss. So um, he is worth the pickup. Um, yeah, and if you need a if you need a running back, he's definitely one to go out there and spend the fab on. Yeah, RB1 on the week. Uh, I'm fairly positive. I actually didn't double-check that, but 20 for 157, two touchdowns, added a couple catches. I can't imagine anyone had a bigger week than that. 
Uh, on the Texan side, Damian Pierce. He looks like he's solidly entered RB2 territory here. Uh, 20 carries, 80 yards, a score. Uh, got involved in the passing game a little bit too. Had a couple catches for 21 yards. Um, over 100 yards total and a score. I mean, that's really all you can hope for out of Pierce. I think he's, after a, a kind of a rough week one and a lot of panic coming out of Houston, He's, uh, he's pretty much solidified himself as their lead guy moving forward. And, you know, it's still the Texans, so you don't want to go crazy here. Uh, they're going to have weeks where they don't compete and they, you know, are, go down by a lot. Pierce might not be involved in those weeks, but uh, any weeks that they can be somewhat competitive, Pierce is going to be a pretty good option. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Damian Pierce looked, and he looked really good too with the carries that he did have. So I'm, I'm very high on Damian Pierce, definitely RB2 category at this point in the season. Um, and he was a guy, if you draft a little bit early, the guy you probably got for a really late draft pick. So you're extremely happy with that. Uh, but Nick, Brandon Cooks with a dud week this week. I don't think either of us are going to overreact to that. Um, it does suck. Davis Mills is his quarterback. There's going to be weeks where he just doesn't get him the football. Um, now the other options in Houston, Nico Collins and Chris Moore both had better weeks than Brandon Cooks. Do you have any interest in either of those two players? No, not really. I think Nico Collins is a stash candidate in very deep leagues because I've kind of liked him as a player, uh, even coming into this year before this game. But I, I don't have, I'm not really taking anything from the the few targets that they did have. Cooks is pretty much the only guy I would think about rostering in this offense, and you know he still got seven targets. Obviously, a very disappointing line, two for twenty-two, but uh, he's he's going to be the number one moving forward. I am pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, I completely agree. Nico Collins, if you're in a super deep league and you can stash him, I don't necessarily mind that because I think he would be the one if Cooks were to go down. But if yep. you're in any kind of shallow league, besides Brandon Cooks and Damian Pierce, no one on Houston's worth rostering. Detroit at Minnesota, 28-24. Minnesota wins this one. Cody, if you've ever wondered why Vegas makes money, I think this this if you go back and look at this line at the end of it it was uh, I think it was Detroit plus four and a half so they won twenty eight and a half to twenty eight and it was fifty two and a half was the over under Vegas almost completely nailed this game this uh, this is a pretty good call on their end but Minnesota with the late touchdown ends up saving themselves a little bit here I think the Minnesota fans would have kind of rioted if uh, they hadn't won because they had some questionable decisions on the offensive side we'll uh, we'll start with Detroit though. Jamal Williams is an absolute beast in this one. Um, I mean, I think you can confidently start him as a borderline RB1 as long as Swift is out. Uh, like we said, he's probably going to miss a couple weeks. So if you have Jamal Williams, uh, go ahead and play him and play him confidently. Honestly, that O-line is just so good that you know he's not an incredibly explosive runner, but he, he finds his lanes. He's a smart running back, and uh, you know he's good at lowering his shoulder and making some extra yards through contact too. So... I like Jamal Williams a lot as, as long as Swift is out. Yep, and if you watched Hard Knocks, this coaching staff loves Jamal yeah. Williams, oh, so yeah. he's going to be the running back one for this team if Swift is out. I don't see him splitting work with any other backup running backs there. There may be a third down guy, something like that, but yeah, he's. I agree, borderline RB1 or a very high RB2 going into next week if Swift is out, so... Um, I doubt he's on waiver wires, but if you're in a shallow league yeah. and he is, swoop him up for sure. 
hundred percent. Yeah, and he's he's going to be the the goal line guy moving forward too. I think say he's pretty much solidified himself in that role. So he's yep. almost a flex level player. Yeah, it very for DeAndre Swift, but in a, in a non PPR league, he's almost worth a flex at this point, even with Swift in the lineup. So nice guy to have on your bench because uh, Swift does get banged up quite a bit. That's something he's done a lot early in his career. Kind of a disappointing game for the receiving options in Detroit. I'm not really worried. Josh Reynolds had kind of a big game, Was ended up leading them in receiving, so that sort of took away from St. Brown. And uh, Hawkinson scored the touchdown, but he only had, I think he had like 14 yards or something. Kind of saved his day with the touchdown. Wasn't very impressive, though. St. Brown, six catches on nine targets for 73 yards. Kind of, I think it's just disappointing in comparison with what he's done. He's, he's still a good player, and if this is going to be his low end, then you're going to be pretty happy with him on the year. Um, anything you want to add on Detroit's? Um, I think Josh Reynolds is definitely someone worth keeping an eye on, or if you're in a really deep league, potentially worth picking up. He did have 10, 10 targets this game. Um, if St. Brown were to miss time for any reason, I think Reynolds would have some value, and he may just kind of fit in as the wide receiver too. He out-targeted and outperformed uh, DJ Chark on the week, so... I would, um, if you don't want to pick him up yet, he's probably going to go through this week unclaimed, but I would just keep an eye on what he does next week for sure. On the Minnesota side, uh, Dalvin Cook, 17 carries, 96 yards, a touchdown, lost a fumble as well. Uh, So disappointing as someone that had him in a pretty important league. Uh, that I ended up getting my ass kicked in, so it didn't matter. But Dalvin Cook was just, he was on his way to a huge week. And he uh, he busted through the line and then got ran into his own guy, uh, separated his shoulder, and lost the fumble on one play. Madison ends up rumbling in for a touchdown later in that uh, later in that game that probably would have went to Cook if he was healthy. So really disappointing to see he could have had an absolutely huge week, but I think he kind of saved his value in this one. And uh, we've seen a couple times he's put on that uh, shoulder you know shoulder the device played even better yeah the device he's played even better than he he does usually so i'm not really worried about the injury uh with him and i think he should be fine moving forward and uh cody i'll I'll go ahead and let you take the floor uh, for your guy justin jefferson because i i don't actually know what to say about this one to be honest with you I don't have too much to say about Justin Jefferson. Um, I do have one more thing to say about Dalvin Cook, though. When he has the device, it's like he's running, like he's not worried about his shoulder getting separated. <laughs> so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe he just holds it in, yeah. right? Just holds it there for him, so he just runs a little bit harder. But uh, no, Justin Jefferson, I'm not going to be too worried. Coming off two like really rough weeks, but uh, I mean, he's still. In my eyes, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I, I'm just really surprised this week. I mean, Okuda, I mean, I was listening to like a, just an NFL in-depth podcast, and they said Okuda just played really good coverage throughout the game. I, I can't vet that. I'm not a great at breaking down tape, but maybe Okuda's just had a really good game against Justin Jefferson and was locking him up. Uh, and last week he played Darius Slayton, who might be the best cornerback in the NFL um, in pass coverage. So I expect him to be a lot better. I think really it came down Kirk Cousins came 260, two touchdowns. Not bad, but in a plus matchup, I guess I just expected more out of him. And I feel like, uh, you know, that those two things could be tied together. So, I'm not going to be worried about Justin Jefferson, but it sucks to see these kind of weeks. Coming into this year, you kind of had him in that Cooper Cup category where these kind of weeks weren't possible. So, very rough to yeah, see. Yeah, especially against Detroit at home. Man, yeah, that was that's what I mean. It's just, 
it was such a good matchup. Like that's that's the hardest part, I think. Three for six for fourteen yards. Yeah, I did not know that this kind of floor was in the cards for JJ. But again, I mean, this is just one game. I'm not overreacting. And like you said, he had a really tough matchup against the Eagles. Got a ton of targets, just didn't do much. Uh, neither did the most of the Vikings in that game. So I'm not really worried about JJ moving forward. Nice bounce back for Thielen though. Uh, six catches on eight targets, 61 yards and a score. Um, KJ Osborne also ended up catching that uh, late touchdown to to seal the win for them. I'm not really interested in him uh, just because Irv Smith was also involved in this one. It's just, it's, I mean, in, in weeks that JJ doesn't do what he did this week, it's going to be hard for Osborne to have consistent value. So I'm not really looking that way. But uh, good for Thielen to bounce back here. Um, I think he's still falls into that, you know, flex range where he's going to be kind of touchdown or bust. Uh, there's a few of those guys out there, so I think he falls into that category. Anything else on uh, Detroit and Mini? Yeah, K.J. Osborne's just a more riskier version of Adam Thielen to me, and I already don't he's like playing. having to start Adam Thielen, so I think I'm going to steer, steer clear of K.J. Osborne for now. But um, I guess just just noted if Madison is out on your waiver wires, he's definitely worth the pickup. Um, oh, yeah. Whether um, – Cook goes this week or not if that injury lingers uh, Madison could just work himself into flex consideration and then if uh, Cook were to miss time I mean he's up there with uh, you know RB2 maybe low end RB1 consideration so if he's out there make sure you get him this week yeah Cook always misses a couple games every year he he will at some point this year and Madison will have some pretty uh, pretty decent value when he does uh, Philadelphia, Washington. Philadelphia wins this one 24-8. to uh, We'll start on the Philly side. I mean, they continued to look incredibly impressive on the offensive side of the football, really on defense as well since week one. But uh, Jalen Hurts, 340-3 and three through the air. Uh, only nine carries and 20 yards in this one. Didn't really need to use his legs much because the passing game was so effective. Uh, his progress as a passer has been very evident, made a few uh, really, really nice throws in this one. Uh, the the last touchdown to Devontae Smith comes to mind as one of his better throws I've seen him make, yep. uh, especially in tight tight areas in the red zone, hit him in the corner of the end zone. It was a really nice uh, ball placement there from Jalen Hurts. That's just not a throw I've seen him execute consistently before, so that was good to see from him. Uh, Devontae Smith himself had an absolutely incredible game, as I was acutely aware of playing against him in two out of four leagues this week. Eight of 12 uh, for 169 and one. Uh, he looked really good in this one. Uh, I would still expect him to be a little boomer busty. I mean, all wide receivers are to a degree, as we've seen so far this year, but Devontae Smith probably even more than most with the way this passing game goes. Um, but uh, he's definitely a startable asset, and you know, because you, you just want pieces of good offenses, and this is one of the best offenses in the NFL so far. And I don't really see any reason it won't be moving forward. Uh, AJ Brown was great as well, uh, but anything you want to add on uh, the pass catchers? Um, I will say with Hertz, I think if we do our like we were talking about how we both really liked Lamar for you know regular season MVP. I think Hertz is by far in the lead for fantasy MVP because you could have got him two to three rounds after the you know big wave of quarterbacks and he is performing amazingly so if you were one of those people that called your shot on Jalen Hurts congratulations he is really really good for fantasy football uh Devontae Smith I just want to say he kind of is what we called him out to be he's a boom bust flex player I think this was 
an amazing ceiling to see. I would imagine it'd be tough for him to have a week much better than this this season unless A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard were to miss time. But it's nice to know that this is in the card. So if you do have to play him in the flex spot, he's going to be boom bust. Like Nick said, the majority of wide receivers are, and he's probably the in between the second and third pass catcher on this team. So um, A.J. Brown, for me, is the guy. He's an obvious must-start in a you know wide receiver one to two every week for um, for sure. He's definitely the guy I think Jalen Hurts looks to for the majority of his first reads. And then Goddard also had a pretty solid day as well. So um, if he is your tight end, then I think you just continue rolling with him. Hundred percent. Yeah, he had a. He only had that. He had that one touchdown catch, basically right away, and then did almost nothing after that. But again, this is a really good offense. He is excellent as well. I think you just want pieces in uh, good offenses like this, especially at the tight end position. Uh, disappointing game for Miles Sanders. Fifteen carries, forty-six yards. Uh, caught a pass for negative two as well. Uh, but he's the lead back here. He had way more involvement than any of the other guys in that backfield. I'm still pretty encouraged what I, from what I've seen on from Sanders uh, season long. Um, anything sure. else on the Eagles? Yeah, if you would have told me he got 15 carries this week, I, I wouldn't consider it disappointing because at least he wasn't like splitting carries majorly with either of the two other running backs. So if you're a Sanders owner, I think you can start him with even more confidence now. I know it's kind of a rough week, didn't get in the end zone, but if you give him 15 carries every week, he's going to be a good fantasy running back. So I thought that was pretty encouraging to see actually. On the uh, commander side, Wentz was uh, wincing all over the place, as as I like to say. Uh, I'm gonna think. I think I'm gonna try to use that verb uh, from now on when when I'm watching Carson Wentz, because that's just kind of what I think when I'm watching him in the pocket. Just fail to process his reads in any sort of quick man. He just he sits back there for way too long, and he does it consistently. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I, I, the defensive line was all over him in this one, but. Say at, at the same time, he took nine sacks, and I don't know if you watched this game very closely, but I could count at least four of them that were completely on him, where he had actually decent protection and just could not get rid of the ball. And then uh, he had a few more that the line just broke down immediately, but he looked absolutely horrible in this one. I think his QBR came out to 11.3 the last time I looked at it. I'm not sure if that's what it ended at, but yeah, that's not a very good number. It's probably one of the lowest in the league this week. Um He's just going to be inconsistent week to week. We've seen that from Wentz pretty much uh, the last couple of years of his career. Uh, and this defense is good. They are. They're going to be a tough matchup for most teams moving forward. Uh, Antonio Gibson saved your bacon a little bit with a touchdown, 12 carries, 38 yards, and a score. Um, I'm trying to move off him if I can. I don't think anybody's going to be dumb enough to, to let you sell high on him right now, though, because everybody <laughs> knows Robinson's coming back. This is kind of another Chase Edmonds situation, but uh, I think you're probably just going to have to ride him out and use him while he's uh, while he's a, a lead guy, but know that it probably won't be that way for long. He's not really taking the job and running with it, per se. Uh, anything you want to add on Wentz or Gibson, Cody? Uh, with Carson Wentz, I just don't – I feel like – Whenever he's under control and he can just hit that first or second read, he's a really good quarterback. But if you give him the option, the third, the fourth option, then he just he gets back there and he just doesn't let go of the football. Like he just makes he gets back there and he also just doesn't look like he knows what's supposed to happen. He just looks so beyond confused. So yeah, he's he came back down to earth for sure. Um, and 
in one QB leagues, like he's going to have good plus matchups, but he's kind of in that streaming category where if he's going against a tough defense like Philadelphia, you got to know not to play him. And I know there was plenty of people that did play him this week. Um, you're right, Gibson definitely kind of saved you with the tight end, but again, it was another tough matchup. So I don't really have too much to add about Gibson. If you can move on for a um, startable asset, I would definitely do so because yep. he hasn't looked extremely impressive, but he's getting the work while Robinson's out. We'll just have to kind of see how the whole Robinson situation works itself out. So if you can get him at good value now, I would go ahead and move on because odds are at draft value, you got him really late. So I would kind of cut your losses or cut your profits there, I guess. And uh, the pass catchers, again, a pretty encouraging game here. McLaurin had a good one, uh, six catches for on nine targets for 102 yards. The other two guys, not so much, uh, but still, uh, the targets are there. If this defense is going to be this bad and Washington is going to just be coming back in all of these second halves, you know, Carson Wentz consistently attempting 40 to 50 passes every week, it might not be a winning formula, but it's going to be a pretty good formula for fantasy, so... 10 targets for Curtis Samuel, 9 for McLaurin, 8 for Dotson. Uh, again, Curtis and Dotson had kind of disappointing games, especially Dotson, but I, uh, I'm i still pretty high on these Washington pass catchers because I think the, the wide receivers themselves are very good, and if they're getting this many looks, you know, it's it's all about opportunity at the wide receiver position, even if it's Carson Wentz throwing you the ball. Um, you're you know, you're going to catch some of them uh, if you're getting that many. Yep, I agree with you. I think um, if any of those guys are out on the waiver wire, they're all definitely pickup options. I don't think they would be, but uh, if you can get them, you know, Samuel or Dotson as throw-in pieces on trades or something like that, I think those are good additions to your team. They're they're going to be uh, valuable for fantasy, especially I imagine that Washington's going to have to be down in – almost all of their games so that's just it's a good recipe for fantasy for sure yeah this next week i think i might try to buy low on them after the cowboys game i believe they play at dallas next week i don't believe that is going to go very well for uh this offensive line after what we just saw against the eagles that cowboys pass rush looks pretty lethal as well so maybe wait one more week and then buy low on some of these guys because the target volume should be there uh, New Orleans and Carolina, uh, man, another disgusting game here overall. Uh, Carolina wins 22-14. to 14. Um, Hopefully you bought low on Chris Alave. That's another guy we talked about last week in our segment um, of the, uh, the high value, uh, the guys that I saw that had Rosen value. He's one of those first-round wide receivers, Chris Alave. Nine catches, 13 targets, 147 yards. He looks fantastic. That's two straight weeks of 13 targets for Chris Olave as well. It helped that Landry and Thomas got banged up, but uh, he was still falling out while they were in the game. I think he was already, uh, like, he looked like the one in this game. I'm not saying that he will definitely be that moving forward, but he would be the guy I would want rest of season in this passing game. Oh, yeah. I hope you also sold high on Mike Thomas while you had the chance yep. uh, because these weeks are completely in the cards for him. I know he took some plays off because of injury, but this is who Michael Thomas could be. If he doesn't get in the end zone for you, he's going to be probably a dud because he's probably not going to get the volume needed. And Chris Olave looks amazing. So if you got him on your team either through the waiver wire or a trade, congratulations he's he's a guy that could potentially win your league it will probably be hard for him to keep up that 
volume pace because there are good receivers on this team, but I think I think he's establishing establishing himself as the best wide receiver on this team. And uh, Jameis is really good at throwing for a lot of yards, so he can he can bring some uh, value to the wide receiver position. Jameis will turn the ball over for sure, but he has a good deep ball. I mean, obviously he's got arm strength, so he's not a throw. He's not afraid to throw it deep uh, for sure. That's never been something he's been uh, afraid to do. And Chris Olave is a great route runner, and he's got juice. Uh, as a you know, he was an 11th overall pick in the NFL draft for a reason. So definitely way stock up on Chris Olave. Um, the rest of the, the the Saints offense here, I'm still buying low on Kamara. He's had two really tough matchups the past two weeks. Uh, had a, obviously the disappointing game against Atlanta sucks because uh, that defense is not great. But uh, Tampa Bay at home and then at Carolina, this defense actually looks pretty good so far. I think uh, most other than Cleveland in Week One, they had some success there, but. Uh, they, they show themselves pretty well against New York and in this one against New Orleans, so this might just be a good defense. Kamara, 15 carries, 61 yards, got seven targets, only caught two of them, but 22 opportunities. I'm not too worried long-term. Uh, do you Are you concerned about Alvin Kamara? Um, I'm not concerned for him, but the issue is at this point in the season, if you were to look to move off of him, like you're probably going to have to, what I would consider, take a downgrade at the position. So um, for me, he's a hold right now. I think... I think for sure better days are ahead. He's going to be more involved in the pass game. Um, I know seven targets, but I want to get him up there, get a few more receptions, get him in space, and let him kind of work with the football, kind of get some more of that old Alvin Kamara we got to see. And I I would just hold on to him because if you're trading him now, you're probably trading him at what could be the lowest point his uh, value will be. So hold on to him. Better weeks are ahead, and – uh, if someone offers you a trade where you think you're trading up at the position, I would consider it. But for now, he's a hold for me. Maybe try to trade Derrick Henry and uh, get Alvin Kamara plus back after the good week from Henry there. I think that, I'd that rather would have be Alvin Kamara in uh, non-PBR, probably slightly lean Henry, but in half or full, I would take Kamara rest of season. Uh, Carolina side, I oh, I don't even want to talk about this. It's disgusting. I, I don't really have a ton of investment in the Carolina offense, so I'm not necessarily tilting about this, but, man, they just look so bad. And Baker Mayfield is not – I mean, I did not have high expectations coming into this year, but he has not even met those. Uh, he's just really not been giving much responsibility. I feel like these last couple games they've, you know, had the lead because their defense has been good and, the, you know, the offense has been a little bit opportunistic, so they've had – you know, some kind of unsustainable big plays like that, that screen pass, screen pass to LaVisca Chenault where Baker gets credit for, you know, a 70-yard touchdown and he didn't even throw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage was just hilarious. But, um, yeah, this offense just does not look like it can move the ball consistently whatsoever uh, other than Christian McCaffrey. And, wow, um, DJ Moore. I think this is I, – I'd, I'd say uh, the first good call that I thought of from Sunday for, from our perspective was Lamar Jackson, and this is number two. We were both pretty low on DJ Moore coming into the year. A lot of smart industry people that I knew, that I trusted, that really loved him. I just didn't see it, and it's playing itself out so far. Six targets, one catch, two yards. Woof. Uh, he does not even have 100 receiving yards yet on the year. This is hard to have optimism about this Panthers offense. Yeah. I mean, Baker's just – really bad at football right now and <laughs> I, I it's just as simple as you can put it because even christian mccaffrey 25 carries for 108 yards and he's still capped because baker won't fucking 
I'm not sorry if if you're listening to the kid. My bad. But Baker just won't dump the ball down. Like I just do not get it. He, I I don't want to go on another no, Baker it's, Mayfield it's rant. Sad. It's so it's so bad to watch. Like I'd almost just rather watch Sam Darnold because he just know at least he knows he's bad and he'll just drop dump the ball down to the running back. But I I'm I. I, I don't know with DJ Moore. I have zero faith in Baker Mayfield, so luckily I didn't draft him. I don't think I would drop him, but it, on Wednesday after waivers run, I would check that wide receiver position because he may get dropped in some leagues. That he, And it's not really his fault. I think he's still a fine wide receiver, but Baker Mayfield just he makes everybody on, on that team look like a downgrade, unfortunately. I just think with Moore, uh, he's got the draft capital, got the name value. If he has a good week, you know, the next week or two, then he'll have value. You know, you can move him for an asset. That's probably why I would still hang on to Moore. I'm still just, like you said, not optimistic long term, but I think Moore is has too much potential value to drop. I mean, if you're in a 10-team league, it's really shallow, and you have a good, a good team other than DJ Moore, and you have a guy you want to pick up, go ahead. But I would probably try to hold on just because of the value there. And then uh, we talked about McCaffrey a little bit. I mean, he's getting the touches, 25 carries, four targets, two catches, seven yards. Uh, he just hasn't gotten into the end zone uh, that much yet, only one touchdown on the year. I'm, you know, I think his incredible upside we've seen in years past probably is not in the cards, but I'm not incredibly worried about him as a player. He looks really good, and they're committed to using him, and he's basically the only thing in this offense that works right now. Yeah, I wish this team had Teddy Bridgewater back. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Those were fun times for sure. He, Teddy, uh, say what you will about Bridgewater, but he, you know, he, he got some fantasy value out of that team for sure. Uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers. Um, yeah, I think my, my first note that I have here is if you think you know the NFL, you don't. You absolutely don't. Just just stop because this this sort of thing, I think there's one of these games pretty much every Sunday that's just you don't know where it came from and no one knows or no one predicted it, but the Jacksonville Jaguars take this one 38-10 in uh, L.A. Pretty incredible win for Jacksonville, and they, it, I mean, this score reflects how this game went. It was not fluky. It was not a lot of defensive, you know, scores or anything of that nature. Jacksonville just kind of lined up and kicked the Chargers' ass, for it to be frank. Um, I, I really like the new offense under Peterson, and you know, a lot of these assets look really good too. I'm just, uh, I'm pretty high on this Jacksonville offense after this week. Oh, this game hurts so bad because <laughs> I. My plan was to 100% have Jacksonville plus seven in my best bets for this week. And I was, I, I drove to St. Louis over on Friday night, played golf Saturday with my brother, um, stayed there, stayed with him Saturday night, drove back Sunday morning. So I was like putting our best bets on Facebook and on Twitter in a uh, gas station parking lot after when I had to get gas. <laughs> So I'm just looking at the lines. You had your three already selected, so I'm looking at which ones I like. And I loved Jacksonville plus seven because I'm just really high on Trevor Lawrence, and this game really did it for me. But I I looked at it Sunday morning, and it was Jacksonville plus three and a half. And I thought, you know what? As weird as it is, if at plus three and a half, if Justin Herbert were to miss and it was the backup, 
I was more worried about the backup finding a way to cover than Justin Herbert at plus seven. As stupid and as weird as that sounds, I backed off because I thought, I saw the line and I was like, Justin Herbert's not playing and there's, it's going to be one of those weird games that just, they cover still without their quarterback. And then obviously Justin Herbert played, Jacksonville blew him out and I went one and two instead of two and one. So just frustrated about that, but I'm so happy with all of these Jacksonville options. Um, obviously, ETN kind of got some garbage time work, so he was able to boost his stats a little bit. But one thing you've been on, he looks really good with the football in his hands. I mean, if Robinson wasn't the clear number one for right now, I think they'd both have fantasy value. Uh, Zay Jones had a good week. You know, If you are in a full PPR, I think he's addable. Kirk's still really good. I, and Trevor Lawrence stud i mean what a shock you drop urban meyer and he looks like the next andrew luck and who could have thought that but it was awesome i love i'm i'm really high on jacksonville right now so this was a great game for me to watch yeah i i think lawrence as a fantasy option i'm not completely sold on yet i i i really like what i've seen from him i'd still probably throw him in the you know high-end qb2 tier not necessarily low-end qb1 quite yet but uh definitely addable in uh even 10 team single quarterback leagues just for the potential because he could work his way there before the year's over for sure and yeah like you said i wouldn't drop etn either this offense just looks really good and if he ends up working his way into a significant role especially in the passing game later in the year he could be pretty valuable on the uh the chargers side Man, uh, this team just kind of has a habit of occasionally laying an egg, even with Herbert at the helm. Uh, they have did this a couple times last year. They lose to you know lose to Houston, lose to have a weird game against the Vikings at home where they don't do much. Uh, that's just is just kind of something they do occasionally, and this one was probably one of their worst. Um, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler, both huge busts in this one. Eckler only four carries. Um, I'm not panicking yet. I, I just I feel like he's still the lead guy here. They've been splitting to a lot more with him than I expected, but you know I'm not panicking on Eckler quite yet. You're still starting him, and I think he'll be you know better days are ahead. But Mike Williams, um, man, the the low floor that he has had so far has been very disappointing. Yep, he uh, he may be right back in that uh, that by low category even after an insane week too just because you're probably going to get a lot of this i think our hope this year was he kind of just became a more consistent wide receiver one option for this team and we could not have or at least I, that's what i expected i could not have been more wrong through three weeks he is right back to his typical mike williams way and uh at this point, where where I had him going in drafts, probably a bit of a reach. So hopefully he can turn it around and kind of just get a little bit more consistent. But at this point, I mean, he's another one of those kind of boom-bust options on a weekly basis. So it sucks to see because I had a lot of hope for him. But, I mean, you just got to kind of face the facts there. He, these kind of games are well in the realm of possibility for Mike Williams. Yeah, I don't know. If you're the Chargers, I just you can't you can't do this week to week with your two, especially with Allen out, your two best players by quite a wide margin uh, on the offensive side of the ball beyond you know Justin Herbert from the skill position. So you got to get them more involved uh, in these games. But tough one for the Chargers. Uh, hopefully they'll bounce back. They have a lot of talent. I'm sure better weeks are ahead. Uh, Go Jags. Rams. Yeah, absolutely. That, that game <laughs> against Philly next week is going to be very entertaining. But. Uh, Doug Peterson coming back home and this Jacksonville offense. We'll see how that goes. For sure. Um, 
Rams at Cardinals. Rams take this one 20-12. Another stinker of a game here. Uh, on the Rams side, I think we just had a... Uh, a few big misplays here that would have really swung this one into, you know, a positive performance from the offense. Stafford kind of had a dud this week, but, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals didn't put a ton of pressure on them either. So uh, kind of pedestrian stat lines from a few guys. Uh, we'll talk about Robinson in a second. He's kind of the one guy that sort of concerns me out of this group, but a couple will be fine. Uh, Akers was the lead guy in this one. I think he's startable. And Henderson. He had a really down week this week, uh, but I just I still think it's going to kind of bounce back and forth. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, there's not too much to say. Um, I think with Acres, you you would have you're going to be more comfortable starting him as a flex you know level player. Daryl Henderson. I mean, I guess like would you start Daryl Henderson next week? Like, do you expect it to kind of swing back and forth that much, or are you hesitant to start Henderson? I am hesitant to start him. Uh, that's probably mostly just recency bias, though. I'm going to look real quick at who the Rams play next week. Oh, they have the 49ers on the road. Yeah, I'd be pretty hesitant to start Henderson next week against a tough defense. Yeah, I may be hesitant to start Cam Akers against that defense yeah, also. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they looked really good against the Green Bay running backs, who are also really good. So uh, may want to – may may Sorry, Denver, um, but may may want to hold on to. Uh, hold, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. not dropping yeah. Daryl Henderson. Yeah, not hold on to Darryl him. Henderson, I but... yeah, we'll get into that later. Sorry, I completely lost my mind there for a second. So, uh, but let's get into let's get into Robinson because I think he's kind of the big guy on the Rams. Everyone's curious about him, what they should do with him. Yeah, um, I would call him a touchdown or bust kind of guy at this point. I mean, he's he's basically Adam Thielen, but just on the Rams. I think the offenses are kind of similar, too, as far as uh, their quality. So, you know, you've got J.J. at the top, Cooper Cup at the top with the Rams, and then uh, you've got this ancillary option there. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to have to have a touchdown to, to be successful. It just doesn't seem like he can make the a plays with the ball in his hands. He's going to have to catch it, you know, in the end zone. So uh, his, his ability is just a little limited, and, Man, it was tough to see. He had a couple of red zone opportunities early on. He just dropped one and then just didn't get any separation on the other one. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned with Allen Robinson. I'd call him a boom-bust flex. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I If you wanted to avoid having to play Robinson, I also would not blame you because um, the Allen Robinson of old, though you we were kind of expect, you know, we kind of were used to seeing in Chicago is kind of coming back in Los Angeles. So... Um, I, I guess, yeah, boom, bust level flex, but if, if you can get anything of value for Allen Robinson, uh, maybe after one of those boom weeks, I would definitely do so. Cause I, I don't have a lot of hope for him on a long-term, uh, rest of season basis. Uh, on the Arizona side, they look really bad. Um, this Rams defense is probably one of the better units in the league, so it might not be totally fair to judge them just on this game, but uh, they can't run the ball, uh, and it really just seems like Kyler scrambling around and making something happen is the, the best offense that they have right now. So when he doesn't use his legs, they uh, they can't do much, and you know I, you can't feel great about any of these options right now if they have the potential to dud like this. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Kyler, only two rushes for eight yards. So even though he was running around, he wasn't running for positive yardage. So 
Um, Carry a couple in there with no throwing touchdowns, 314 yards. He had a pretty rough week at, Rough week for a quarterback. Uh, Connor, rough week. I mean, Hollywood Brown. And if you started Dortch, you may have been happy with him in half and full PPR. But, I mean, for Arizona, the only one you're really happy with is Hollywood Brown because he finally got that target share that we all were hoping to see. Um, but I don't know. That team looks terrible, and I don't even know what they could do to fix it because they're tied to their quarterback, their coach, and their GM for like five-plus years apiece. So whatever their issue is there, they kind of got to get it worked out with who they have because it has been rough through the first three weeks. Yeah, and I'm not terribly high on Hollywood Brown either. I mean, it was nice to see the target share in this one, but there's no way he's going to come close to 17 targets again this year. And once Hopkins comes back, you know, he's going to be at – far less than that and just I just don't really like the way that they're using I'd rather see him be you know getting more deep shots in this offense it just kind of seemed like he was an outlet for Kyler in this one he for sure was ended up getting a ton of targets that way but just volumed his way to success there rather than uh quality quality routes and hitting deep balls or anything like that so down on a lot of the red zone or a lot of the Arizona options uh unfortunately right now hopefully this offense can get it figured out a little bit uh falcons at seahawks atlanta takes this one 27 23 comfortably clearing the 42 and a half point over that i suggested in the best bets thank you guys uh but i like what i see from this atlanta offense it looks pretty i mean it just looks average at least and i think that's much better than we would have expected going into the year uh pitts and london are the focal points in the passing game Pitts had a little bit of a bounce back here didn't score as usual with kyle pitts but uh, ended up with 89 yards and you know he looked like the one in this one kind of they made sort of a point of getting him involved early and then London uh, six catches or excuse, excuse me six targets three catches 54 yards a touchdown uh, he looks like a you know he's had a great start to his young career as well so I think he can start pretty much both of these guys moving forward and uh, as well as the running back but you know you have anything you want to add on the pass catchers or Mariota um yeah I mean just Positive, you know, positive weekends for both of them. Drake London only had three receptions for 54 yards, but he got his way into the end zone, so he kind of saved himself there. And then if you were one of the people that drafted up for Kyle Pitts or even maybe traded for him early in the season, uh, it was just good to see him get some get some work this game. Obviously, the, through the first two weeks, he was looking it was looking really rough, but. Um, I mean, if this can be his week-to-week baseline, five catches, you know, around 80 to 100 yards, you're going to be happy with that from your tight end spot. And then if he gets in the end zone, you're going to be very happy. So uh, both those guys are definitely startable assets. Yeah, and when they're not playing Seattle, I think they'll also have to throw more than 20 times like they did in this game because they won't be able to control it on the ground. So if they play some better competition, you might even see higher volume for London and Pitts. I kind of like the value here on the Atlanta guys right now. But uh, Cordell Patterson we'll get to real quick as well. Uh, He'd he'd be definitely on my sell-high radar. Uh, He looks pretty good so far, but again, this Atlanta team is not going to be good a good one at the end of the year they're going to run into more games where they're down than uh you know than the other way around and it seems like he's not incredibly involved in this passing game so he like when they went down big to the rams in week two he kind of got phased out so we'll see uh how he is moving forward but he's definitely a startable asset at this point i'm just i think he's probably valued a little bit higher than uh his value would be for me rest of season yeah i mean this is coming Last year, I traded uh, Cordero Patterson 
and some f- maybe flex level wide receiver for Justin Jefferson because Cordell Patterson had an amazing start. Uh, not saying you're going to be able to go get yourself a Justin Jefferson. That was more of a circumstance thing, but go out there and trade him for any startable player that I you can. I anyone that you feel is going to be consistent because he's going to be relatively boomer bust. I mean, he's going to have a pretty okay floor, but I mean, you saw last year he fell off a cliff towards the end of the year. He's an older running back. You know, as the more London and Pitts get with Mariota, the more they're probably going to pass the ball downfield, especially if they're down in games. Sell Patterson high, get what you can for him, because at the end of the year, it'll probably look like highway robbery. On uh, the Seattle side, it was nice to see they opened up the offense a little bit in this one. 23 targets split between Lockett and Metcalf, 12 for Lockett, 11 for uh, Metcalf, Metcalf finds the end zone. Lockett has uh, more yards on the day. They both end up with a pretty good line, but I'm just not excited to start start either one of these guys. I mean, Atlanta does have some good corners on the outside, but uh, you know the defense at whole as a whole is not great, and I don't know how many times you're going to see Geno Smith take this many bites of the apple through the air. So um, I'm not incredibly high on Seattle the rest of the year. I think this is just kind of an offense I want to avoid in general, but I would put both Lockett and Metcalf in the flex range. Yep, I agree. Both boom bust for kind of different reasons. Metcalf can take any pass to the house, and Lockett has seemed to be the, uh, the I guess, the guy who's getting quality targets because he's been getting a lot of receptions per target this year. So, And full PPR, uh, in full PPR I kind of have him in a similar spot, but in half and non, I'd probably have Metcalf just a little bit above Lockett. But you're right, they're both right there in that same flex level category for me. Um, and then in the backfield, uh, Rashad Penny dominated the backfield carries wise. Um, Kenneth Walker did not get too much involvement in this game. I guess moving forward, if you have to start someone, I'd start Penny, but even their backfield is worth avoiding at this point. If you can, I actually do like Penny next week against Detroit, but in general, I would agree. I'm not incredibly high on them, but Detroit has looked pretty bad against running back so far. So you might be able to start him there. That is true. Um, our last three o'clock game here, uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. This one uh, was one of the few games that kind of went the way we sort of expected coming in. Green Bay wins it 14 12. Just an ugly game on both sides for the offenses. There's not really a ton to say here from the fantasy side of things. I think the one big mover in this game was probably Romeo Dobbs. He had eight targets, eight catches. Um, he ended up with uh, something like 72 yards and a score, if I'm uh, not mistaken. But he looked pretty good. Definitely, he led them in targets by a pretty decent margin, too. So on the Green Bay side of things, the running backs had a tough day, but they're still going to be the focal point. And Romeo Dobbs was the number one this uh, this week, and he's worth a pickup for sure. But uh, I don't know if that means he's going to be you know the number one the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. I've been seeing a lot of fantasy outlets saying that Dubs is like a must add and a pretty big, you know, waiver or fab dump pickup this weekend. I don't know if I see it that way. I see you have a note here. It's very similar to the Chiefs. You just don't know what guy is going to be stepping up from week to week. And I kind of agree with that. I think if they, if in a perfect Green Bay world, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon would dominate the game, and then it would be you know, a wide receiver, each of them get a couple of receptions, one of them gets in the end zone type of deal. So 
I I don't mind picking up Dubs if he's out there or Dobbs, sorry, if he's out there, but I don't think I'm doing a big waiver wire or I keep saying that a big fab dump on him. Um, I would probably keep it a little bit light, just similar to the Chiefs guys. He could have a complete dud next week and then his value plummets. So uh, I would just be careful how much you're putting out there for him. And then Lazard did save his uh, week again with another touchdown. Um, still holding, but I've not been incredibly encouraged by how he's been used in the offense so far. Um, you know, the game against uh, Chicago, he didn't really need to do much coming back from the injury and then a tough game against a tough secondary in Tampa Bay. So I'm not dropping him yet. You can still play him, but I'm not incredibly encouraged by Lazard's usage so far. Um, and then Robert Tunyon's the last point here. Did get seven targets in this one, only 37 yards. But uh, encouraging to see the involvement there, I guess. I would call him, you know, at least in the streaming category. Yeah, he's on the streaming radar for sure. And I, I kind of have that same sentiment with Lazard. He's not the wide receiver one for Aaron Rodgers like we kind of hoped that he would fall into. Um, but he has kind of gone through these first three weeks off and on the injury report. So if he can get healthy and maybe in some more favorable matchups, I do expect him to have some big weeks this year. But he's probably similarly in that boom-bust level uh, player at this point. Yeah, and then on the Tampa side, um, again, this this one you can almost take nothing from. Fournette was still the, the only guy involved from the running back's perspective. Didn't have a great day, but uh, it was probably it was just easy to know that you know, he was the guy that they kind of had to focus on in the offense. So not surprising. He, he kind of saved himself with, the, with five catches as well, so he wasn't horrible. And um, on the pass-catching side, none of these guys are really going to be you know involved moving forward as much as they were uh, in this game because it, all of the starting wide receivers were out in this one between Evans, uh, Julio, and Godwin. I think Russell Gage is the only guy that's somewhat interesting. I think if it's just Evans back next week, uh, Godwin, or excuse me, uh, Russell Gage would be flexible if he's the second guy in the offense, but that's about it on the Tampa Bay side. Buying yeah. low on Tom Brady as well. Yeah, definitely buy low on Tom Brady if you can. He's had basically none of his main options through three weeks. So, And when they were on the field in week one, he looked pretty good. So I would imagine he's going to get back to there. Um, yeah, I don't mind Gage next week if Evans is the only one back. He's another one I would just be careful with how much you're going to spend fab-wise on him. Uh, I just don't think he's going yeah. to – he's not going to pay off. You know, Once everyone's back, he's most. you're most likely going to have to drop him. So be careful how much you're spending. If you need you know, a win in week four, I understand You know, going in for it a little bit. But just be careful there. I like if Gay, if Evans and Julio or Evans and Godwin are back next week, I mean, do you have any faith in Gage at that point as the third option, or are you are you benching him then? No, I'm probably avoiding him at that point. Right, I'm I'm in the same boat, so that's why be be careful how much you spend on him. Yeah, Cody, I'm gonna go ahead and let you take the lead on this uh, Sunday night game. Oh, the Trey Lance funeral game because Trey Lance would have won this football game that Garoppolo gave away, so. Uh, but it was a beautiful, it was a disgusting game. Denver ended up getting the W 11 to 10. I'm just kidding about Trey Lance. I just, I'm still sour that he's out because, you know, <laughs> just in almost every league, I don't have a quarterback anymore, but, uh, yeah, I did see, I believe, uh, I think Eli Manning on the Manning cast tonight said that Denver should have paid their punter uh, $235 million, and I don't yep. know if I would disagree with them because the punters did steal the show. Um, yep. We'll start with San Francisco. Garoppolo, 
rough first outing. Um, I mean, this is just kind of what you expect for him from him. He is inconsistent with throwing the football. I mean, there's a reason why they moved up to get a different quarterback, but you can kind of chalk it up to his first game of the season. But I don't, I don't even know if I really believe that because he's been with all of these players for multiple years. So I, I felt like they should have really just got into this game and not missed a beat. Um, the only thing here is Denver de- Denver's defense does look good, so you could also chalk it up to that. San Francisco side, Jeff Wilson, um, 12 carries, 75 yards, but didn't get into the end zone. Debo went nowhere on his five carries, five for eight through the air for 73. And then Ayuk ended up getting into the end zone. Kittle, very little involvement. I just, I don't know. It's hard with Jimmy Garoppolo to see how many people are going to be fantasy relevant in this offense. Obviously, Debo and Kittle, you feel pretty confident starting, but just, it's rough. They, they just don't move the football with when Garoppolo is missing open throws. Yeah, I think Jimmy will be better. I'd probably be buying low on George Kittle uh, out of anybody in this offense. Uh, you probably can't buy low on Debo. He still looks like Debo. And then uh, Ayuk, I'm not as confident in, but I'd be buying low on George Kittle and the rest of them kind of bar what they are at this point. Jeff Wilson looked pretty good. Seems like he's the unquestioned guy. Jordan Mason only got one carry, so I right. think it's Jeff Wilson's backfield until further notice. Yeah. Uh, and do you want to do the on- Denver side? Yeah, I guess I will begrudgingly do the Denver side. Um, obviously, uh, disappointing outlook from this offense through three weeks. Russell Wilson's only got two touchdowns through three weeks. I, I'm still betting on them to figure it out. Uh, I think the defense will not be this good every week, so they'll be forced to open it up a little bit more. That's been kind of you know part of the issue here is that they've won their last two games, and they have not had to... You know, they haven't been forced into a situation where they're down multiple scores and Russ just has to sit back there and air it out. You know, they're not, they're still just being a little conservative because they've been in these games. They've won the last two. And if that changes, then uh, I think Russ will, you know, be forced into a little bit more action. And they just, just missed a 75 yard touchdown to Jerry Judy on a beautiful deep ball. It was a gorgeous route from Judy to the, uh, the San Francisco corner just made a beautiful recovery on the play and barely got his fingertip on the dive. Otherwise it would have been right in Judy's lap for a huge score. And that would have kind of changed the outlook here. So I, I think they will be better, but yeah, I mean, it looks really rough right now. I think you're probably trying to pivot from Russ if you can, um, at Vegas next week, I, I think that's probably, that's a, that's a tough one to sit him at just because I think that could be a high scoring game, but I wouldn't blame you if you're looking for another option for Russ right now. And the and the, the running backs, that, that's almost the most frustrating part. They're, they're completely splitting them again, it seems like. I, I don't even know if Javante's getting the high-value touches. Uh, Melvin Gordon got the, the, the goal-line touchdown. So it's it's all it's all a little muddy right now for the Broncos, other than Cortland Sutton. He's a stud. Yeah, I'd agree with you. But I we both were saying in you know draft season that Williams is being overvalued because there was nothing telling us that Gordon was going to start getting phased out of this offense so uh if you bought low on Gordon I mean you did the right thing there it's unfortunate because I think Javante Williams would be an absolute beast if he got 100% of the work but unfortunately I guess Denver doesn't see it the same way um but yeah I again I still kind of just I still kind of just want to chalk it up to, one, they were playing a good defense in the 49ers, so it's going to be hard to get your offense rolling against them. But Russell Wilson's just looked, I don't know, he's just looked really bad. And 
you know, they, the play calling definitely for Denver got a little bit more worked out this week, but I still just want to see more from them. I mean, the guy that I have, the only guy I have, like, confidence going into next week starting would be Sutton. Obviously, Williams are going to start, and Jerry Judy most likely also, but the, you know, weeks like this are in the cards where neither of them get over, get over 10 points for you, so... Kind of tough, but just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. I I think there's better days ahead still, but I don't know how many weeks I'm going to say that in a row before I start to you know lean the other way on some of these Denver guys. And that's enough on my Broncos for this week. Uh, we're going to close it out here with the Monday night game that just wrapped up. Dallas takes it 23-16 to over the New York Giants. Um, on the Dallas side, I think... Uh, one of my main takeaways from that game is that Cooper Rush is a really good backup quarterback. He uh, moves the offense. You know, he looks fine out there. He's not overwhelmed like a lot of backups are when he gets out there. So I think you can, you know, still start your Cowboys when Cooper Rush is in pretty confidently. Not, uh, you know, I think you're getting 90%, maybe 85% of what Dak is in that offense. So you don't have to completely kill your assets there. And um, yeah, Pollard and Elliott basically a full-blown split at this point. Um, I think Pollard's a flexible asset for sure, and Elliott probably more of a low-end RB2 slash flex as well with the way they're being utilized right now. Yep, and you have a note, Pollard looks fast. I could not agree uh, anymore. He, he Whenever he gets the ball in his hand, it looks completely different than when Zeke gets the ball in his hand. So, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I could see Pollard being more fan, more valuable for fantasy football unless Elliott's getting the majority of the goal line work. Because if Elliott stops scoring touchdowns, it's going to be a rough season for Elliott owners because Pollard looks to be the better running back in my opinion. But, well, well, it's still split. So nothing to worry about yet. But if goal line starts going to Pollard, it's going to be rough for uh, Zeke owners. Now, on the, on the other side, Nick, for the Giants, uh, obviously Sterling Shepard got carted off in the last couple of minutes there. Is there any Giants wide receiver that you are going to target now on this week's waiver wire now that Sterling – I know Sterling Shepard was your guy in New York. Is there any other guy that you would consider now that he's gone? Yeah, really disappointing. Um, Sterling Shepard was a couple plays away from having a pretty good day here. Um, he just before that uh, – I think it was a possession before that he got a ball punched out of his hands. That would have been a pretty big gain. Um, and it was just a really nice play by the cornerback. And then obviously at the end here, just a, re- just a really bad luck injury. Looked like he was just jogging down the field, his knee buckles, and then he's in tremendous pain. They had to cart him off. Does not look good. Yeah. Yeah. But he got 10 targets in this one. I would probably lean like, I guess Wandale Robinson, but I'm, I'm not confident in any of the giants pass catchers. I think Saquon Barkley is the only guy I'm looking at in this offense. Yep, I think I agree with you. I'm not going to put any fab uh, claims in on any of these guys this week. If there's someone that impresses in week four and he's out there, I might do something then. But at this point, you're just kind of taking a shot in the dark. So I agree with you there. Yeah, the most likely actual answer is Richie James, and I'm just not willing to go there right now (laughs) for fantasy. So it's not an option I'm going to consider. Yep, for sure. Well, uh, we are well past my bedtime here, so I uh, I am good <laughs> to go ahead and wrap it up for sure. Do you have anything else, any last-second uh, things you want to throw out there before we peace out of here? Oh, no, Cody. Let's get you to bed. Uh, you've been a good soldier in this one. I, uh, I rambled on a couple times there because I had some, some stuff I needed to get off my chest, so I appreciate you bearing with me. 
Yep, no problem. Again, let's go Jacksonville. They are uh, <laughs> they are my second Cody's favorite team favorite in the NFL. Team. I was right gonna now. say, yeah. Apparently, new Cody's new heartthrob here, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep, love me some Jaguar football all of a sudden. But all right, peace out, everybody. <laughs> See you guys.